0: So, let's go ahead and get started. Prophets in the Bible, okay? So, in the Hebrew Scriptures, the prophets are called Nevim or Nabam and are broken into two groups, the former and the later prophets. Everybody have a handout, okay? The former are Joshua, Judges, Samuel, and Kings, and the later are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all the way up to Malachi. So, they kind of break them down a little bit different than we do in the Hebrew Scriptures, There are 24 books or 5 books of the Torah, the teachings, 8 books of the Nevim, which is the prophets, and 11 books of the Keturim, the writing. So I don't know why I threw all that in. It's not like we're having a test on it. But there are some things in the Hebrew Bible that don't match our Bible just because they're kind of broken up different, okay? And so um, even the, the order of the Old Testament books are not the same. And, of course, there's no New Testament books in the Hebrew Bible. But the order of the Old Testament books in the Hebrew Bible are different than than ours because they're just in a different order. And it's basically because God put them that way because he's trying to teach us something different than what he's teaching them. So. Go back and study that out a little bit. I won't go any farther than that. But we have 39 books in our Old Testament. The Pentateuch has 5 books. The history has uh, the history section has 12 books. We have 5 poetry books. We have 5 major prophet books, Isaiah through Daniel. And then we have 12 minor prophet books. And nobody likes to talk on these 12 minor books from Hosea through Malachi. Okay? So... um Name me one of your favorite minor prophet books, guys. What's your favorite minor prophet book? I don't
1: know. Major prophet or any prophet
0: Minor prophet book. Come on. Snap it up, guys. (laughs) You know, we don't think about that, do we? But is mine? I actually really like Malachi.
1: And
0: And at some point... We'll go. Through. I was going to teach Malachi in here before somebody else in our church stole it and used it in the other... Ser- no, <laughs> but... I know, I know. And I've told, I've told him that too. And he goes, I'm sorry. I said, that's okay. We'll let it go a year or two and he'll maybe come back and visit it a little bit. But here's what great minds think alike. So that's what I'm thinking, you know.
1: God led him to do it before he led you to do
0: it. No, I actually taught it before he did, but I was just going to teach it in here next. But, oh well, here's the deal. But you know what? I mean, we're bound to teach the same books. We've only got so many books in our Bible. Okay, so you might think
1: of... Okay, right,
0: right. Daniel, who has taught... Daniel in our church here? Jeff. Jeff, he does an awesome job on that book. I mean, that is a really interesting book, the book of Daniel. Um, Okay, so all of the minor prophet books, we don't normally read them, but every one of them is geared up for one thing, the second coming. And you know what? We need to know those books because that's the whole purpose that God put them in there was for the prophecy to teach us of the second coming. And we are right on the earth, the very edge of when the second coming is coming. So you know what? We need to know those books. Okay? So we're going to go start to go through one of them. uh, But I want to talk about what is the definition of a prophet. So we're going to talk about a minor prophet book. So Webster's 1828 Dictionary, how many of you have a Webster's 1828 Dictionary? You can get one in our little resource center out here, I think. They might have one next door in the library. But the 1828 Dictionary is probably one of the best dictionaries that, that Webster put together. And then, since, the, I mean, you look at a new one now and they keep changing the words and putting all the new modern names in. You want to know the true English meaning of the dictionary, of an English word, you need to find an older dictionary, specifically this one, maybe. But his 1828 dictionary says a prophet is one who foretells the future. Okay, so you have some blanks here in your handout. Here it says, It says in Scripture that a prophet is a person who is illuminated. So the first blank is illuminated, and the second blank is inspired and instructed. So the three blanks are illuminated, inspired, and instructed by God to announce future events. Okay? So if you ever want to teach a class on what a prophet is, there is your definition right there. Okay? A, per, a prophet is a person that is illuminated, inspired, and instructed by God to announce future events. The The prophets in the Old Testament, Testament just didn't wake up one day and say, hey, I think I'm going to be a prophet. <laughs> That did not happen. Said, no, I don't want to Right. Say it, but say it, want to there were some that didn't want to be a prophet. And I think it was uh, Jeremiah that said, I'm not going to speak. I'm not going to, I don't want to do this no more. And it said, and, and the Bible tells us that he, he had such a burning inside him that he had to talk. He kind of had to get it out. He's kind of like our son. When our son was little, I don't know how old was he, Carrie, was he like three, four? He was just talking and gibbering all the time. And Carrie goes, would you just be quiet for a little bit? I think she was at her wits end. Five minutes, just be quiet for five minutes, son. And he goes, I can't. She goes, well, why not? He goes, I got a lot of words I got to get out.
1: (laughs) Every time I lose my voice, Rex says God only gives us so many words to say a day. And he said, and she said, and I lose my voice when I eat pepper. And you know,
0: that's good to know. Yeah. So, so prophet was given, you know, what they were to say by God Himself. Okay, And if you go back and look at the times, now God had already, he already had his people that was supposed to teach his word to the people. There was two groups of people that in the Old Testament were instructed and were set up by God himself to teach the people his word. Can you tell me who those two groups of people were?
1: The priests.
0: The priests. And the next group was no it wasn't the kings they were probably supposed to it was
1: the Levites
0: the Levites the priests
1: had to be Levitical right
0: so in the Old Testament to be a priest you had to be a Levite but the Levite didn't have to be a priest so the priest came out of the Levite group but that was the two groups that God had given the responsibility to teach his laws so then why do we have prophets well, the problem was why we had prophets was because the priests and the Levites were not doing their job. So God had to send in special forces to get His word out. Okay? So most of the time when you see prophets in the Bible, they're there because the people were not doing what was right. Think about that. They were there to remind the people what God wanted them to do. Okay? But I want to give you a biblical definition of a prophet. So I want you to turn in your Bible to the book of Haggai. OK? Haggai. Okay, it's one of those minor prophets. I'll, I'll help you out here since it, we have a hard time remembering all of them. It's on page 11,42 <laughs> Does that help you out? Yeah. It's right behind Habakkuk, It's behind Zephaniah, uh, and, and and I don't know about you. I get I, I memorize these books and I got them down, and then like three months later, I try to remember them and I've lost them again.
1: Yeah. So who are we going to? Right now?
0: We're going to Haggai, Haggai chapter. Um, I'm sorry. Go to chapter one. Three books before
1: Matthew.
0: Okay. Is it? Is it way back there? Yep, it's back right before Zach. You're right. It's towards the end of it. So Haggai chapter 1, I'm sorry. And let's look at verses 12 through 15. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet... As the Lord their God had sent him, and the people did fear before the Lord, then spake Haggai. Here's what I want you to listen, verse 13. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger... In the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shittil, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of the remnant of the people. And they came and they did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, in the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. So... Basically what's going on in this story is they had stopped work on the temple after Ezra and the group of people had went back. I don't know if Ezra had got there yet, but when Zerubbabel went back with the people and they started to work on the temple, they stopped it. And for 14 years, the work had laid desolate. And finally, the Lord uses Haggai to wake the people up again and get them going. And basically what he says, this is a a biblical definition of... A prophet. Now, let me tell you who gave me this. Holy Spirit did. I'm, I, I had this all down and then I see this and I'm like, this is a better definition than the one I just gave you.
1: Is this D2? Because I've got written on this page, prophet and I had verse 13
0: circle. Hey, if you did it, you, you may have. They probably stole it from me. But
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know. But, I, I,
0: but, but here's the deal. I was studying this out when it just like the Lord said, this is the definition right here, okay? Now maybe I'd heard it and it came back, I don't know. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger. So what is Haggai, what is a prophet? He is the Lord's messenger. And then it says, in the Lord's message. And then I started scratching my head for a long time. I'm like, no, wait a minute, what does that mean? doesn't I think that I think that's wrong when it says in the Lord's message that that can't be right yeah. but you know what and then the other side of me like no wait a minute i'm I i can not be like origin when I don't like what it says just scribble it out and write in what I want because that's what they do that's
1: why, we have all the other versions.
0: that's why we have all these other versions because they don't like something they just scribble it out and put in what they think is right so I'm looking at this it says in the Lord's message and I'm like what does that, doesn't it mean with the Lord's message? I'm like, no, He is in the message. So you know what that means? Here's what, again, the Holy Spirit just showed me this. He says, He's living in it. Not only does He have a message to give the people, He's in the midst of it and he is living it out at the same time that he is telling his people what's going on. So in other words, he's not way back here saying, okay, this is what God has told me that you guys need to do. He is basically saying, guys, here's where we're at. Here's the message that God has given me and we are all in it including himself. And so what you see many times is when the prophets would talk to the kings and talk to the, to the priest and talk to the people and give them the message from God, they are right in the thick of it and they are getting it in the neck because the, the people don't want to hear what God wants them to know. Jeremiah would tell the people what was going on. Everybody hated him. His own family wanted to kill him because he was giving them what God wanted them to have. Many times, the, the the high priest didn't like what the what the prophet was telling the people, and they wanted to kill the prophet. So he is he is the Lord's messenger in living it out. He is in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. So he is the Lord's messenger. He's in the in the Lord's message unto the people. So a prophet is a man chosen by God to speak or write God's words to his people. The message can be for the present, but the majority of the messages are for the future, with the focus always on the second coming of Christ okay now you can go back and look at Isaiah and I think I may have mentioned this before in here in Isaiah chapter 7 1 through 16 and Isaiah 9 9 through 7 or those prophecies of Christ being born those prophecies was given to a king that did not believe what God said now think about that uh, Would have to go. I don't know the name right now. Let's go back to Isaiah seven. We'll just check it out. Find out. Let's go to verse one. We'll find out. It says, "And it came to pass, Isaiah seven one. And it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah." So there it is. There's your king, Ahaz.
1: Oh, Ahab, the worst one. A
0: H A Z, the son of Jotham. Okay. Okay. So during that whole thing, verse twelve. I'm, yeah, verse twelve. But Ahaz says, "Well, let's back up to verse 10. Um So they're given this. They're given the king, Ahaz. A prophecy. Verse 10. Moreover, the Lord spoke again unto Ahaz, saying, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depths or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. Hmm. And he said, Hear me now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will you also weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. So you have Isaiah here he's talking to Ahaz and he's trying to, to give him some prophecies he's trying to give him some, some uh, information instruction that's going to be happening very soon and he, said, he tells the king hey just ask God a sign and he'll give it to you and Ahaz goes oh I'm not going to ask God to give me a sign like he's some pious guy here's the reason why he didn't believe what Isaiah was saying. He is an unbelieving king. And God gives him this sign, and he says, here's the prophecy, therefore the Lord himself shall give you the sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God gave that to a to an unbelieving king of Judah. And so that sign... Not only was it fulfilled fairly quickly, but it, was, it also had a double meaning in it. So the whole point I'm trying to get out is that many times the prophet would give a future reference to the coming of Christ or to the second coming that had nothing to do with what was going on there. But God used that to give uh, the people a sign. So I'm sitting there thinking in my mind, so God, why did you give an unbelieving king a sign of Christ coming? Does that make sense? It didn't make sense to me, but what about all the other people in the land that's believing God? If they were reading Isaiah, they got it. So he just didn't give it to the king. He gave it he gave it to the people group and he gave it to us. So it, you know, he wanted it in his Bible. Okay, so again, the message can be for the present, but the majority of the messages are for the future with the focus on the second coming. So, wow, we're, I'm going to try to get through this today. So, the Lord commun- communicated to his prophets in three ways. Number one, in person. So, you know, the Lord spake to Moses face to face. He came down and spoke to Moses. Remember Abraham? Did God come down and speak to him face to face as a man? He did. Remember when he came down and talked to him in the tent? And so at first, the Lord would communicate uh, to his prophets in three ways. And Moses, if you go back and look at it, is is considered a prophet. Abraham. Jacob, all those really, if you look at who they are, they would we wouldn't consider them a prophet, but they are because they meet the qualifications. He would also communicate to his prophets by visions. Remember the man Samuel, the little boy Samuel? He had a vision and by dreams. Remember he had dreams also. okay So Daniel, I don't think the Lord appeared to him other than in dreams. Okay, uh, Jacob also he had a dream. Second Peter one twenty one I think that's on your handout says for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Okay, so we know that. So um, God's Spirit on the top of page two or I don't know where it is on your God's Spirit is. And there's a blank. Always involved in the communicating of God's Word. I don't care if this was the Lord coming down and talking to Adam. God's Spirit was involved in that. Okay? Uh, Same thing today, though. Prophets are mentioned. So let me stop for just a second. In the Old Testament, the priests and the Levites wrote the Scriptures. Because that was what God had intended for them to do. In the New Testament, who's in charge of keeping his scriptures? The church is. And specifically, the church is called priests and kings. So, in the Old Testament, it it was the priest... And, and the Levites, it was the scribes, basically it was supposed to be in charge of keeping the Bible intact. In the New Testament, the New see the Hebrews aren't going to keep the New Testament because they don't believe it. So in the New Testament, God uses his priest, which is the church, to keep the Bible intact down through history. Okay? So... Um, it is our job as the church to make sure that the scriptures are translated and carried on from generation to generation. But it's always the Holy Spirit's job to be in the midst of that. Okay? God used the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament to help the priests and the the Levites. He helped in the New Testament. He he uses the Holy Spirit to, to help the church to keep the Scripture pure and where it needs to be. So let me ask you a question. If you have a Bible that's translated by someone who doesn't believe the Bible... If you have a Bible that's translated from somebody that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, how can they keep it pure? Exactly. They
1: don't care to keep it pure.
0: Okay. Like I said, origin was around 200. This is not even. I didn't have it in my notes. Origin was around 200 AD. He had a college there in Egypt. Origin started, he didn't understand a lot of things about the Bibles. He started marking them off and writing down what he did. That line of Bibles that has gone all the way up to where we have it now is basically uh, produced by a group of men that, number one, don't believe in the virgin birth, they don't believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that don't believe that Jesus raised from the dead, that don't believe the main functions of the Bible but yet they help produce those Bibles that are out there so my question comes down to this would you allow a man to translate your Bible that was not saved nope, nope. and that's exactly what has been happening
1: that guy Origin, you were talking about Did he? Okay. From this
0: church history, Smyrna. Okay. Okay. And so it's very simple. Just follow the bloodline, follow the Bible lines, and you'll see one group of Bibles is produced by a group of men all down through history that have not believed that it's infallible and that it's perfect and it's complete and they don't believe the main doctrines of the Bible that we do. And then you've got another group that has. Which one do you want to use? So it really boils down to this. Do you Will you let a man translate your Bible that's not saved? How can they translate the Bible if they don't have the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is always involved in communicating of God's Word. Okay? So, prophets are mentioned over 400 times in our Bible. 100 times in the book of Jeremiah alone. And there are 49 prophets Prophets that are listed by name in our Bible. So many times God uses illustrations in the prophet's lives to reveal to the prophet exactly how he felt concerning his people. Now the he there is God. He allows prophets to go through the same hurt that God himself felt so the prophet would f- understand where God was coming from. That, that just breaks my heart because when God's heart was broken, he, he allowed his prophets to go through hurt so they would understand how He felt. So what I mean so they felt everything as bad as God did. okay? And I mean you've got just we'll go back and we'll study some of these prophets and the, just just the hardships they, they went through. Just the things that they tolerated. And I mean, you know, a lot of them were killed. A lot of them were ridiculed. I mean, everything. I mean, these guys uh, were not wimpy guys. Okay. Isaiah was told to go around naked. Can you imagine? How would you like doing that? And I think he did it for three years, didn't he? It was incredible. It was incredible you got to go and speak to my people and I want you to do it naked for three years or three and a half years, okay? Um, Hosea was told to marry a prostitute. Some lost their wives, their families, their homes. Some were told not to marry. Wasn't it Jeremiah was told not to marry? Some ran for their lives, were thrown in jail. Some were thrown in wells. Some got their heads chopped off. And one even got swallowed by a whale.
1: His own fault.
0: That Yeah, that was his fault. But um, the prophet spoke and wrote God's word and yet they saw the kings, the priests, and the Levites ignore the message that God gave them to give to the people.
1: It's like people today ignore the message of the Bible because they don't read the Bible, they don't believe the Bible, and they don't believe what we tell them. But they're ignoring it. I mean, they they think, you know, oh,
0: we'll make it. So sometimes, I don't know about you, but I get discouraged. Mm-hmm. And yet, we just, we have a whole book of Bibles. Yeah, it's been going on since Old Testament times. Right. <laughs> uh, so uh, it kind of helps, and yet we know that when we, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says that those that live godly shall suffer persecution, you know, are, uh, our life is just not going to be rosy. You know? And so uh, many times, a lot of the time, most of the people did not listen to to the prophets. Okay? So just keep that in mind. And today, a lot of these books are not read by anybody, the minor prophets, because people just don't think it's important information. God put it in there. And, and I've learned this a long time ago I had this statement said I heard this statement uh, re- repeated or said by a, a pastor one time and I never forgot it it just really rocked me He goes, God wastes no space in his book everything in here is there for a reason mm-hmm. and so for us to just skip over books is not good okay so uh, there are seven periods of prophecy in our Bible Adam to Abraham Abraham to Moses, Moses to Hosea, Hosea to Malachi. I think those are all listed on your handout, aren't they? John the Baptist to the resurrection of Christ. And you go, wait a minute. Well, wait a minute. Was John the Baptist a prophet? Yeah. But Jesus said that he was the greatest of prophets, didn't he? He said there's no greater prophet than John the Baptist. Uh, how about Jesus? Was he a prophet? Yeah. Uh, acts to the Rapture. Um, the Holy Spirit would be the prophet. Would be the prophet in that time period. You got the tribulation. There's going to be some prophets that's going to be here. Uh, Moses and Elijah are going to be here. God always has his his his. You know, I've heard this too. God always has his faithful few. Well, he always has his man here also. I don't care where you're at, God always has a man that's going to be there. He'll never leave this place without uh, a reference, without someone telling the truth. So, But there are no prophets in the millennium. No prophets in the millennium. It tells us that in Zechariah 13.13. Okay, so the proof of the prophet... There's two blanks here that I want you to get. The proof of the prophet, how do you know if he's uh, accurate, how do you know if he's a truthful prophet? Because there was a prophet called Joseph Smith and he thought he was a prophet, but this would just blow him out of the water right here. The proof of the prophet is his accuracy to fulfill the future. Now, I think the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, both of their founders, claim to be prophets. And yet, you can go back and you can prove without a shadow of a doubt of some things that they said was false that did not come true. So, according to the Bible in Deuteronomy eighteen, seventeen through 22... The proof is, if your if your prediction does not come true, you a, are a false prophet.
1: Didn't Joseph Smith have, uh, or was it Brigham Young that had the glasses and the rocks? That's how they told the scripture.
0: Like the that I don't know.
1: I don't. I don't know that. Glasses. They had certain pair of glasses. They had, they, they had all
0: this wild stuff. Yeah, I know. It's just it's wild. So, our Bible tells us to prove all things. The Bereans checked out Paul's words to see if they were from the Lord. The problem with the Israelites, like many people today, was that they didn't check out what the prophet said. Remember when Jesus was here and then all the people were coming and telling Nicodemus, uh, you know, you uh, know, uh, who do you, you know, you're, you're you're believing in this guy Jesus, but he goes, go search the scriptures because, you know, there's not any, any prophets that come out of the land of Galilee. Problem was, they didn't search them because if they would have, they would have found that they were wrong. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to search the truth out. Right now... I heard somebody make a statement this this week. It says people today want to be entertained. They don't want to be told the facts. And I'm like, wow, that is it in society, and that is it in most churches. They don't want the facts. They just want to be entertained. Tickle their ears. Tickle their ears. You know, yeah. that's why you see these mega churches, and they don't have a clue what they're doing, but they're having a good time. <laughs> they're having, they're being entertained. Okay. You speak the truth, and that's the thing. You you got a church speaking the truth, and you got five people there, and then you've got this guy telling stories and just entertaining people, and he's just flock. They're flocking in, and you just sit there and scratch your heads. But that's the problem. They don't want to see the truth. Okay. Our Bible says, "Prove all things." Okay, so do we have prophets today? Well, not in the sense that God uh, spoke to his prophets, because we have a complete Bible. Now we do have the Holy, we do have the Holy Spirit. So turn over to to Revelation nineteen and verse ten. And you've heard Pastor Brian talk about this this passage, Revelation nineteen ten. And let's make sure I got the right passage here. Says, and we know this passage very well, uh, especially 11, when Christ comes back. Verse 10 says, Chapter 19 of Revelation chap- and verse 10 And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said to me, See, thou doest it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Okay. What is the spirit of prophecy? It's the Holy Spirit. Okay? So when we have the Holy Spirit, we basically have the Spirit of prophecy. It's it's the Holy Spirit that lives inside us. Okay? We have the testimony of Jesus. Okay. So for more information on the second end of Christ, second coming of Christ, we need to read and study the minor prophets, because their insight in your next blank is invaluable. Okay.
1: Okay. I can't believe that nowadays, at least where I was in Guatemala, there were so many who pastors who were saying, I'm prophet such and such, I'm the prophet. I'm," this. And I can't believe, you know, and they, they hadn't really studied the Bible because, you know, it says there aren't any after them, them in the Bible. And also, you know, they were not going through what all the prophets had to go through. And I thought, do you want to do like things? Or do you want to be the Do you want to... Be put well. Do you want to? I mean, it was just, it just didn't, make right. sense. It didn't because they
0: didn't read what the truth did. Did they, Right. They was not living the truth out. Okay. Probably a really good test on a prophet was are the people believing you? Are you running for your life? Because <laughs> that's what's going to be happening, okay? If so You said
1: coming true. Yes.
0: Because if one thing you say does not come true, if you predict know. then you are out. Okay, so let me just give you a few things and we'll stop. Themes found in the minor prophets. I don't know, do you have these in your handout? Okay, so you have Hosea gives us info on Israel's repentance and their restoration at the second coming. So there's a lot of people that say that God's done with Israel, all their promises go to us. They're not reading their Bible they're not reading the book of, of uh, Romans chapter 11. They're not reading uh, any of the Old Testament minor prophets because they're talking about it coming back. So uh, Joel gives us details on the battle of Armageddon. Amos speaks of judgment pronounced on certain cities. Obadiah speaks of the lake of fire in the millennium. Jonah is a picture of the Jews in the tribulation. Micah compares Christ's two comings. Okay? Okay. Nahum gives us details on the conditions that will prevail at the second coming. Habakkuk gives us the route. Is it route or route? Either one. Okay, so Habakkuk gives us the route of the second coming. Okay, there there are two routes to the second coming. I don't think anybody can tell us which ones, but there are two, and I don't know how they work together. Okay. But there is a route from Mount Sinai that follows just the way they did the first route. A, a, route. a physical route of the second coming of Jesus and we're following him. And that one from Mount Sinai from coming up all the way from the east side and crossing over into Jerusalem, we can nail down, I mean we got. <laughs> but there's another route, something to do in, in uh, uh, the battle of Armaged- in the valley of Armageddon that we, we see that too but I don't see how they both connect so maybe you can study that out and show me that but they're there they're there in the minor prophets if we just study them out and Zephaniah shows us the negative nature of the second coming Haggai gives us details on rebuilding the temple and Zechariah gives us details of events after Armageddon and Malachi gives us warnings that precede the second coming. I'm assuming that's why Pastor Brian was teaching on that. Because our f- focus this year is to finish God's work. Because we know the second coming is right out, right in hand. I mean, it. we are at the threshold. Okay? So... Uh, we'll we'll keep studying this, and so uh, when you have some spare time, read read those minor prophets. They're not real long, but it just takes time to read them and reread them and, and get God's word in, in your in your heart and in your mind. Um, and our church, our pastor Brian, makes a great deal out of teaching of Revelation. Well, let me show you give you a reason why. Also, knowing the book of Revelation will help us connect the dots. For our whole Bible to put it together.
1: Can it, ask, okay, can I say something? You yes. asked at the beginning, you know, what was our favorite mm-hmm. minor prophet? And I think one of my favorite favorite ones is Habakkuk or Habakkuk, I never know how to pronounce it. That it's his uh, the last chapter three, verse seventeen and eighteen and nineteen, the way he ends it, although the fig tree shall not blossom Neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat, the flock shall be caught off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer on my string instruments. Okay, I think I like this because he ends it, you know, even though the stuff is really bad and everything that he goes through, that, you know, okay, but God's my strength. God is, you know, he's my joy. He's my strength. Mm -hmm. So he ends on a positive note, and I like that. You like that? That's why I like that.
0: Okay, thanks for that. But yes, a lot of times it is, it looks like it's utter...
1: Chaos. uh, destruction.
0: Destruction. And yet, we know at the end, a lot of times, some of these minor prophets, it's utter destruction. And at the very end, like you said, it's just like one verse that pops in there. But I will trust in the Lord because he will restore all things. Or something real similar to that. Jeremiah, you know, he was getting ready to be led into captivity. I don't think he went; he chose not to. But uh, the Lord told him to go buy some land. And he's thinking, buy land? Why do you want me to buy land knowing that, you know, this is it? Because that was his way of telling Jeremiah, you know, everything looks bad and everything may fall apart, but he goes, I'm going to bring things back and things will get restored. And this is my hope for you to know that I will do this. And so just sometimes even knowing that, well, it may not happen in my lifetime, but God will restore it and bring it back. So uh, knowing the book of Revelation, knowing the minor prophets will help get them all put together. It helps us to know where we are in history. It helps us to know where we are in God's uh, timetable. And studying through the minor prophets will help us put the pieces together. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you for loving us. We thank you for your word. We thank you that uh, all the truth that you have in your word, because we know it's truth, John seventeen seventeen. And yet, we Lord, help us to, to see that truth. Help us to glean from your truth when we read it daily and help us just to put... The dots together connect your word together. Every day we read it. Every day that we see it. Every day that that uh, we 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 see your word take place in our lives, Lord. Just help us to can, always to remember. That it's about your kingdom and that you have a plan and you have a purpose for us. And no matter what's going on in our life, no matter what situation is going on, that you are in control and your kingdom will come. And so we just pray that your kingdom would come quickly. We thank you for... Uh, allowing us to to be in your kingdom. And we thank you for allowing us to be used by you to, to bring other people into your kingdom. So we pray for that. We just ask your blessing upon today in Christ's name. Amen.